Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. I do believe that it's more beneficial for you to drive faster in the rain than slower. Oh, my God. It's Wes. You're the reason why <laughs> when I'm trying to take my son to school, I got to go through Four different traffic jams because people want to drive in the rain like it's doggone 85 degrees outside. I can't stand it. I'm sitting there like, where are the police when you need them? And Walker. You just struck a nerve with Wes. Yeah, for yeah, sure. You're the guy. You're that guy. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. 15 or 20 minutes later, I'm going to be sitting in 15 or 20 minutes of traffic because some idiot can't drive in the rain. Charlotte, when it rains, forget about it. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks to LA Knight. I hate miss, missing out on the wrestling guest, man. Even if I'm not necessarily one that makes an appointment television, the wrestling interviews are always the best ones. You know, they're going to deliver, man. They're characters. They have to be. LA Knight sounded like a cool dude. Everybody loved it on the text line. You can share how much you love it as well. 704-570-9610. Whether it's agreeing with me or Wes in a great Brock Purdy Bryce Young debate, whether it's saying to move on like Granny Pat did, whether it's saying Walker's <laughs> getting lost in his own argument, which is probably true, to be honest with you. Um, you can continue to text in 704-570-9610. Ain't Granny Pat. That's like the grandma me and you are sitting in there arguing and then grandma comes in and y'all just move on. Mm-hmm. That's it. Granny Pat <laughs> Granny Pat just told us to move on because that it, act, it absolutely did continue during the break. We were continuing to talk more about Bryce Young and Brock Purdy. But I, we're we're good. We can move on. We don't yeah, have man, to do the Brock. My, that's my bro. It was great radio. That's what Who's y'all tune me? in for. Brock you. was your bro. Is that what you're saying? Me oh, or Brock? Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know which one. Uh, Fitty's our bro too, man. We love yeah. Fitty. Yeah, he, he didn't get. A, he did a great job he, helping me get that thing done this morning, man. No, so so appreciate Fitty helping us get LA Knight on the mic. Also, we can just go to the live wire. We have Nick Smith Jr. here in a moment. We'll probably play him at 220, get in some Hornets trade talk. We'll talk some Panthers as well. Lots more to get to. But right now, it's time for the live wire. Live wire connect. The east to the west, up north to the down south. Live wire connect. A soundbite we didn't get to during the debate we had in the last segment was a piece of audio from C.J. Stroud, who joined the Pivot podcast and offered up his thoughts and opinions on his good buddy Bryce Young and the rookie season he endured here in Carolina. In his shoes, I feel like a lot of stuff didn't go his way that was out of his control. You know, like, you can't make a play if somebody don't block. You can't make a play if somebody don't catch the ball. Like, and when you watch the tape, like, Bryce did a lot of great things. Yep. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be a great player, but it takes time. You know, like, I think I came into a situation where, you know, we were struggling, I know, but, like, uh, we still had a lot of good pieces. And, and Nick Casario, our GM, brought in a lot of good vets. You know, D'Amico was the perfect coach for our, our type of team. So, like, I think our rhythm, and, you know, like I said earlier, everybody's path is different. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I had a good rookie year. And Bryce is going to have a great second year, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully I do too, but, like, I know everything is going to be fine for him. And I told him, like, you the one, bro. Yeah. You the one for a reason. 
Like, don't ever, ever, like, and he's not going to, but don't ever look at yourself different, bro. Right. Like, ever. We we learned during the week of the game against the Texans that they are very close friends, and they shared conversations and messages with each other up until the week of the game. What did you think, Wes, of what uh, C.J. Stroud had to say about the fellow rookie quarterback here in Carolina? Well, we've been talking about the positivity of Dave Canales and Bryce Young a lot and how that can permeate through a football team, and I think we just saw a great example of that there, and we saw that all season long from C.J. Stroud and what his advice was to Bryce Young. And I think that that was excellent. And I know that those two guys are friends. And from everything I've heard from C.J. Stroud, whether I heard him on a pivot or different platforms, that's just the type of guy he is. And you know that's how he is in the locker room and that's how he is on the field. And that's why those guys have responded to him in the way that they have. So I think that that is a fantastic ally to have. There's no contention between these two where C.J. Stroud's sitting there gloating or feeling like he's one up Bryce. We know a lot of times with our athletes, we expect them to be adversarial towards one another. But C.J. is a guy that genuinely wants to see his brother, his friend, play well. I know they're not real brothers for those of you out there who might get it confused, but uh, I love the messaging from C.J. Stroud, and I think it's just something else to just help Bryce to keep fighting a good fight. C.J. Stroud sounds like a leader every time you hear him talk, man. Yes. That's how it's always been. And it was interesting because at the beginning of this draft process, I don't know how much you can really put into that. Like I Just by hearing his interviews coming into the league, I, it's really hard to say, oh, okay, he's the leader that this team needs. And it's like, okay, I just want him to complete passes as well. Like, of course, I want him to be that franchise quarterback. And I don't know if that was a distinguishing factor between him and Bryce Young. I don't know if I look at Bryce Young as not being the leader, but I do love that C.J. Stroud is not only defend, or you're not only being the leader for the Houston Texans, but also like making points about Bryce Young rather than just say, "Oh man, he's going to figure it out. It's going to be good." No, he actually focused a little more on what the message could be while defending Bryce Young, and I thought that was really cool of him to do. One thing we've talked about since the season started going the way it went and since we got into the offseason is that Bryce Young needs some weapons around him. And um, Brian Bosarge, I think that's how I pronounced that last name, he joined the Kyle Bailey Show to talk about the chances that the Panthers could get their number one wide receiver with the 33rd pick in the NFL draft. If T. Higgins, for some reason, the Bengals let him hit the market, I don't think they will. I think they're in franchise packing. But if he was somehow hit the market, they should back up the truck and just sign T. Higgins to be their number one receiver. How With that being said, uh, if that is not the case, like I don't think it will be, they should look at somebody. And I think, uh, you know, going back to my mock draft today, I mocked him a Donnie Mitchell, the uh, wide receiver from Texas. I think he's a big-bodied guy with athletic upside, chance to be a number one wide receiver, great catch radius. I think he'd be a good target for Bryce Young because we've got to surround him with weapons. I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. Wes, no, Walker, more likely the Panthers get their number <laughs> one pick in the form of free agency, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, or they use that draft pick at number 33 to get Bryce Young another weapon. More likely thing to happen? Yeah. Trades are hard to make happen. Or, I mean, at least signings, even with Mike Evans having to pry him away from San Francisco. And then if you get T. Higgins, 
Remember, we had Joe Goodberry on who covers the Cincinnati Bengals at a high level, and he expects Cincinnati to hit T. Higgins with the franchise tag, and then maybe they will trade him. And at that point, it's always harder to make a trade happen. I view that 33 overall pick as a 50-50 proposition. Are they going to select an offensive lineman, or are they going to select a wide receiver? With maybe a few other positions mixed in there, but I do think it's 50-50 really between those two. I ultimately think the higher odds are, or the better chances, I should say, are towards them using that 33 overall pick on a receiver. Um, But anything's on the table, especially now that you have so many Bucks connections. If Mike Evans does choose to leave, and if you want to trade for T. Higgins and bring him closer to home, I think that's on the table, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be interested to see how they do this, but Joe Burrow's contract is very team-friendly. I mean, once his contract starts to hit, that base salary is in the 25 to 27 million range for 2025, 2026, and 2027. So it just might be doable for them to sign T. Higgins because you know Jamar Chase is coming up, and they've also got some important free agents on the docket, whether you talk about Reader, Hill, Tyler Boyd. They'll probably end up letting Tyler Boyd go, which could be another target for the Panthers as a consolation, but Boyd is a slot. So that would be interesting if you choose to get rid of um, – feeling and sign Tyler Boyd in that slot position. I don't know that you're going to do that, but I think that'd be interesting to have two slot receivers, but I just tried to look over that payroll and see what they've got going on, but Burrow's contract is friendly enough that it could be a real possibility that T. Higgins stays, but again, like they said, if he does not, I think the Panthers need to go after him with full force. Another area that the Panthers need some help is among the offensive line, and we'll stick with the draft talk. But Sarge also said while he was on with Kyle that the offensive line class this year is deep, and you can find potential starters later in the draft. The depth of the offensive line class this year is great. Um, you're going to be able to get starting level, especially on the interior of the offensive line. You're going to get starting level guys, I think, into the fourth, maybe even fifth round. Uh, offensive tackles deep, but I think we're going to see a run on those guys towards the end of the first round, which, you know, I, I don't know if they want to trade. I don't think they should trade what little draft capital they have to move up into the back end of the first round to get one of those guys. But if they do, I believe they're going to see a handful of them there. I think we saw a handful of them down here at the Senior Bowl. Guys like uh, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, uh, Jordan Morgan, Arizona, uh, Kingsley uh, Sua Maatea from BYU. These guys, I think, are, are developmental type offensive tackles that you know could pay off in the long run. But I also think you know if you're looking at 33, you could see some of those guys sitting there at the top of the second round if that's the direction they want to go. Wes, you played offensive line at a high level in the ACC, and you've kind of led the charge saying that you may have to look to move Icky inside to guard. Should the Panthers draft with that mindset that they're moving Icky to play left guard and they still got to identify their left tackle? I think that that's got to be music to your ears for one, that there's going to be that kind of talent in the draft because maybe you could snag two guys because the thing, too, is always all about salary. If you can get two guys out of this draft that you're paying rookie salaries to to end up becoming starting level players for you and end up becoming really good players, then that would be phenomenal. And so as far as what you asked me, I think that they'll probably give Icky one more chance to prove that he's the guy. And if he cannot, then I think they're going to make a a change there. So I think that to answer your question and be decisive, I think that you go ahead and draft interior guys with the plans of having Icky Aquano as your left tackle next season. I agree. You used a sixth overall pick on Icky. It doesn't mean that you have to put him out there on the outside, but it does mean what other options are you going to roll with right now? 
I guess you could sign some other guys to see if they can play left tackle, but it's hard. And at least you have some film of Icky putting together a nice enough season at left tackle in his rookie year. It went horribly wrong last season, but I just don't think it would be smart business to give up on him right away and then try to find another left tackle, move Icky inside, when honestly, when Corbett was healthy, he was a good guard. When Brady Christensen was playing last two years ago, we thought Brady Christensen did a good enough job, but I do think that it's you know certainly on the table for not next season, but two years from now, and then we'll see what happens with Icky Aquanu. That'll do it. You have any more live wire sound bites? That's it. All right. That'll do it for the live wire with Josh Fitty Marlowe. We'll go to break and then come back with Nick Smith Jr. I got I had a chance to talk with him at the Spectrum Center right after shoot around. And you can hear him talk about the angriest Steve Clifford was with him in training camp, whether it was defensive based or not, and how much he enjoys playing for coach, what he's learning uh, about his rookie season in the league. We got a lot more to get to here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. A big thanks to L.A. Knight for talking with Wes earlier. We'll put that on the website, WFNZ.com. Make sure you go over there and check it out to the website. (laughs) Go subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Need to get those numbers up as well. We always are tweeting our content also on our Twitter profile, at Wesson Walker, at HTB underscore Josh, Wes Bryant underscore 72, and at Walker Mail. So follow all of those accounts, and you can catch all of the content that we're constantly putting out daily here on Wesson Walker. We're going to put this next interview up there as well. I had a chance to talk with Nick Smith Jr. over at the Spectrum Center. This was right after shoot-around. I began asking him how it went, and here he is talking uh, amongst uh, some of the other Charlotte Hornets that were coming off of the court about his role that he envisions for himself in the future, how he's playing right now, and plenty of other topics here with Nick Smith Jr. No, I'm good. Uh, long day, but you know I'm ready to, you know, play the games. Yeah, I mentioned you just went over shoot around. Was there a particular message from Coach Clifford? Yeah, just going over game plan, just going over um, the schemes they do and the stuff we're going to do defensively tonight. And, um, you know, just trying to be ahead, just trying to get ahead, you know, the first quarter. You know, um, I feel like and the team feel like, you know, the team been down every like first quarter, eight to ten points. So just trying to get ahead today and uh, hopefully trying to get a win. Look, clearly you guys want to win games here, but you have been more competitive, at least lately, compared to some of the other games. Has there been a shift? What, what's been going on the last couple of games like Indiana and L.A.? Well, I feel like we've been playing hard all year. Um, I feel like we had a stretch to where, like, uh, you know, those games, you know, I feel like we was a little tired, you know, which is no excuse because, you know, it's the NBA and we got 82 games. So, and I feel like we got 
we got like 40 some games left so we got to bring the intensity every night so you know really no excuse you know we just got to come out ready to play and uh like i said man it's hard it's hard out here for sure i talked to brandon two weeks ago and i was talking to him about the rookie wall he said it wasn't real he said it's just a mentality is he lying or is he right what do you think nick He's not lying. Okay. I feel like it's just a mentality thing. Yeah. Um, if you like hoops, uh, especially for me, I've been growing up playing basketball all my life, year out, year in, year out. So, you know, this kind of nothing new to me. I, I'd rather prefer playing games than practice anyway. So, yeah. I got Nick Smith Jr. joining me here at the Spectrum Center right after shoot around, leading the league amongst rookies in three point percentage. You knew that, right? Yeah, yeah I knew that. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. How comfortable did you feel coming into the league? Like, so you have college three-point line, and it's like surprisingly, players will tell me it's it's pretty different. How comfortable did you feel shooting from that line? I feel like it's it's harder than what it looks like. Um, just coming in the well, when I was in college, you know, a lot of people questioned like if could I shoot the ball because you know my percentages and stuff like that. But I always been comfortable shooting the ball. I think it's just you know opportunity um, that I get. You know, coaches, you know, um, he see me work on my shot every day, even. Even before the season even started, you know, I was one of the first ones in the gym, uh, one of the last one to leave. So I feel like they got confidence in me uh, to where I could, you know, make those shots. And, you know, my teammates want me to shoot those shots every time. So, you know, I feel like as as I keep playing, I'm, my confidence is going to grow even more. You have an injury-ridden season at Arkansas. You start playing a little bit later, but it was always tough for you. Like, when did you feel like you got back to the level of player you were when you were projected as a top-five prospect? Uh, You know, to be honest, man, I still don't feel like that. Um, okay. Health-wise, I do, but yeah. just overall game, I feel like I haven't had a lot of reps since high school and uh you know um just especially the position i'm in now you know just trying to help the team just trying to play my role and um you know just trying to do my part you know as a you know as a charlotte hornet and uh you know i feel like i've been trying to do that you know to the best of my ability and uh you know i haven't been doing it too good because we haven't been winning but you know but uh Hopefully I can change around. Yeah, it just feels like you're still really hungry to get back to that level. But what's really cool, man, is the Hornets fan base, they really embrace you. Like, they loved when you were that late first-round pick. Yeah, yeah, facts, facts, facts. (laughs) What does it mean to you that you are so embraced by this fan base after you were selected to play here? Man, it means a lot, Um, especially coming from the situation I came from in Arkansas. You know, know, fans are crazy and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes that stuff can affect you if, if you let it. So... For them to, you know, for Charlotte to embrace me like how they how they have been doing, you know, it's definitely uh, it's definitely love for sure, and it's definitely something that, you know, I don't take for granted. And uh, yeah, man, I feel like these fans deserve better, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can change that around. What kind of role do you feel like you have on this team now, and what kind of role do you envision having with this team in the future? Um, well, the role I have now is just to learn as much as I can, um, and uh, you know, shoot the open ones, shoot the uh, the. Uh, the shots they want me to shoot. Um, defense uh, is probably my number one priority right now that I have to get better at. Just uh, stay in front of the ball, knowing what we're doing defensively. Um, just doing all those stuff. And I feel like, you know, uh, about time next year, year three comes, not even year three, you know, who knows, you know, um, I can have a bigger role. But, you know, I'm really not really worried about that right now. I'm just sitting here chilling, just learning, and, uh, you know, just trying to play basketball. Is there a message from Steve Clifford that sticks out to you in particularly about what he's coached you on this season? Man, I feel like I honestly feel like Cliff is probably the best coach I ever had in terms of just knowing the game and just knowing um, basketball in general. Um, I feel like I learned so much from him um, this past year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
just just him believing in me and stuff like that and just yeah. him just uh just talking to me uh just talking to me throughout the season and just knowing what I was supposed to do and uh you know just holding me accountable along a lot of things uh yeah I mean it's been fun I see you smiling man what's the angriest at story time what's the angriest Steve Clifford has gotten with you so far this season what's the story that comes to mind uh I'll give you a story uh so um you know training camp is you know uh it's like uh it's like intense, very intense, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's very intense, and uh, yeah, I mean, I basically want what uh, I basically wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, and uh, I was trying to figure it out. And uh, I guess he thought I was trying to like uh, be like a a hole about it or something <laughs> like that. And then he he uh, he he got him out. He got it. He got him out, but a little bit. But you know, that's that's what I want as a player. You yeah. know, I grew up like that, and uh, you know, it's, it makes me play harder. Yeah, yeah, definitely defensive base for sure. <laughs> All right, last one for me, man. I love hearing about the stories of the first thing some of the players were able to accomplish in the league. You had that one game against Washington. You come in, it's like a mid-range, like a floater against the Wizards for your first NBA bucket. What was that? What was that like for you, man? Like coming in and breaking somebody down off the dribble and getting your first bucket in the NBA you know honestly man you know I worked on that shot like plenty yeah. of times like yeah. I didn't really think much of it until um you know my mom and dad was like yeah like you're the first like from your city to even score an NBA bucket or to even play NBA games so you know I was just truly blessed and uh you know I just thank God for everything he's done for me all right thanks to Nick Smith Jr. joining me after shoot around here at the Spectrum Center he'll be taking on the Toronto Raptors tonight looking to get their 11th win on the season Nick we appreciate the time man thank you so much yes sir my guy my guy appreciate Nick <laughs> my guy that's true you like that did you, did you hey, like the you way becoming his guy I like that okay yeah that was uh after what was that? I guess a six minute convo probably yeah. 10 before and after yeah Nick Smith we're like this he looks like a fun guy. No, he's that was that was fun, man. He was cool to talk to. I mentioned talking to rookies in the past. You know, sometimes it's hard to, to get the most out of them. But Nick Smith Jr. sharing a lot there. He was a really cool guy to talk to. And just a couple of things that he mentioned real quickly. He mentioned how what he envisions his role to be right now. A lot of it is just learning, and then we'll see what happens down the road. He did say how much he enjoys playing for Steve Clifford, which like I don't I don't want to do the whole fitty thing, right? Like this is the problem, you know. Now Brock Purdy is on this list now, but like when we do the Brock Purdy <laughs> combo, if I bring up PJ, like if PJ scores forty, I was like PJ played good. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> you can hear that in the background. I just want to talk about the effect that Steve Clifford has but on some of the. That's what the people want, Walker. They want to hit a fire. I, I just want to talk about the effect that Steve Clifford has on these young players for a moment, okay? Because that was a big reputation from him that he didn't develop talent, that he wasn't very good at it. In fact, that's something Borrego, remember his introductory press conference? He hitched his wagon to Malik Monk. He said, hey, we need to develop him because he wasn't getting as much playing time and. We need to make sure that he's balling for us, and he hitched his wagon to him. Same thing with Dwayne Bacon. He had him starting until Dwayne was terrible offensively that year that he started. But that was kind of the reputation that Cliff developed. Like, I, I wonder how much, as you see the team go for 10 wins, mm -hmm. okay? Terrible. Team is terrible. A lot of injuries. A lot of guys not caring as much as they should and sometimes. And not as much talent. It's just how it is. But Brandon Miller's out here getting better and better every single day in, like, different situations, too. He's handling the basketball a lot more. When they go up the floor, they can't pass it to LaMelo because he's on the sideline. Who do they look to? Brandon Miller's out here running point guard at 6'8", 6'9". He's the guy that's the primary ball handler. I, it's just been interesting to me to see Brandon develop as much as he has. Nick Smith Jr. leads all rookies in three-point percentage right now at 45%. Like, these young guys... 
as dark as it is in Hornets world, and let me tell you, it's dark. I get to talk about this team every single day. It's dark. Nobody's denying that. There are a few bright spots, the biggest one being Brandon Miller. And I would include Nick Smith Jr. with the way he's playing as a late first-round pick. Well, he was a guy, too, that a lot of people thought the Hornets got great value. They thought that they got a lottery-caliber player when they did. And the thing is, too, you know, with Nick, he's got seven games scoring in double digits. You talked about the 45.5% uh, three-point percentage. And I think that's something to really applaud because a lot of guys coming to the league as shooters, and I'm doing air quotes as I say that, mm -hmm. but it takes you some time. You can look at all the great ones, Reggie, Steph Curry, Ray Allen, all these guys. When they came in the league, it took them some time to get to be dead-eye shooters. And I'm not saying that Nick Smith is going to be as good as these guys are, but I'm just saying that's to be commended. As far as what he says about Coach Clifford, we talk about coaches all the time that get ringing endorsements from the players. You're getting that from these guys about Coach Clifford. And the thing about it is, to, to go off on, on that for just a second, is that, you know, I know that the record is awful and the coach has to take some blame in that. But, man, the messaging and the things that have been wrong with this team have remained the same since Borrego's been there. And we see Coach Clifford coaching his behind off every single night. That poor man's face is red. He's yelling at the top of his lungs at all of the stuff we want him to do. Defense, rebounding. He's calling soft in the media. I mean, he's trying everything to get him to do it. But this is a group that, you know, I know how they get down. We've seen how they get down. Like you said, well, we got the TVs. We see how they get down. <laughs> and so I'm the not. The games are televised. I was saying, the games are televised. That's going to become one of my new catchphrases. <laughs> the games are televised. And, you know, this guy's coaching as hard as he can, and it's still the same stuff, man. So I'm not going to put all of the blame on Coach Clifford like that. It's got to change from personnel groupings and guys wanting to do those things that Coach Clifford has been imploring them to do. But as far as Nick Smith goes, I think the Hornets hit on another player. I think at a minimum at this point, I think his floor is just to be is going to be a productive role player. And I think yeah. if that's what you get out of that as a floor, a guy that can come off the bench and give you 10-plus points in a game and can shoot the way he does, because he looks like he could be an eventual starter. I mean, you think about this guy, you project him two, three years down the road. He could end up being a guy starting for this basketball team. I think they got one in Nick Smith. Too. Yeah, I do too. I mean, clearly a long way to go defensively. We've seen him struggle. I think that was probably the guy Brandon Miller was looking at first and foremost when he was the first one back and then cursed at the team. Yeah. And JT Thor, PJ Washington coming back from the corners while Nick Smith Jr. was right there at half court. <laughs> I mean, and he just doesn't stop ball. And Brandon Miller, PJ, JT, all starting from the same point at, at on the baseline. And then he's like, Nick, what's going on? Because that's his man. They're both rookies. Yeah, they probably hang you know, together. That's his right. dog. So he feels comfortable Maybe barking at him like that. Maybe he does. And they've been playing a long time with one another, right? Yeah. You have them playing at AU under Bradley Beal. And so those two guys, even having that chemistry already developed, I wonder if that's just another underrated advantage between those two. So he gives the love to Steve Clifford. He also mentions how the fans deserve better. The fans are embracing him. And I think in turn, he's telling the fans, y'all deserve better. I think that's cool. Good relationship that I think the fan base has now with their rookies. And that one drew between the fan base and Brandon Miller. I'll raise my hand. My bad, y'all. I like Scoot a lot. I was loud about it. And I was wrong about Brandon Miller's ceiling and what it be could become because he's shown a bigger ceiling than what I thought was capable. And he did that in the first 40 games. But Nick Smith Jr. coming in, people like that from the get-go. And I think he's already showing you why people had him as a top five, top 10 pick, 
just so injured, like so many injuries at Arkansas. It's tough. I, I thought the, the most interesting thing in that interview, I asked him when you thought you got back to that level of play that brought you to a top five prospect level, when you would go back and you would see the way too early mock drafts and those mock drafts would have Nick Smith Jr. top five. When did you feel like you got back to that level? He said, honestly, man, I'm not there yet. I still haven't gotten to that level again. Mm. It's been a long time coming. You know, I'm hungry. I'm grinding every single day. I want to make sure I get there, but I'm not there yet. Self-awareness, man. Gotta love it. Being honest. Work ethic. And I think it's there for Nick. I think he wants to be really good. And and he credits Steve Clifford for coaching him hard. He also talked about the angriest Steve Clifford ever got with him. He said he got yelled at big time at training camp. I was like, was it defensive based? Yeah, it was defensive (laughs) based. (laughs) It wasn't getting back on D, but he enjoys being coached that hard. I'll, I'll be interested, too, to see about this trade deadline. Tomorrow, Wes, 3.30, that's when the trade deadline hits, and then they can't make any more moves. They could buy out Kyle Lowry. We'll see about Gordon Hayward. I don't expect that to happen. But Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, those are the two guys we're watching for because those have been the two guys that have been getting more inquiries, according to these NBA insiders. We can start with Miles. I expect Miles to be traded. I told you that yesterday. On it show downloading tomorrow. Yeah. Well, last year <laughs> it was a fun trade deadline show. We had the breaking news coming in quite a bit, whether it be Jalen McDaniels for a second rounder or some high-profile trade. We made sure we had the breaking news sounders go for you. Do you think Miles is gone? And what kind of return do you think we can get for somebody as talented as him but also has some off-the-court problems that they're doing? Uh, I'm not always 100% sure on the unprotected, protected picks and things of that nature. But I think that you do stand the chance to be able to get something of substance uh, from this deal for Miles. I think that... Like you said, if the Hornets decide to play hardball, I think there are a few teams that are contenders, especially at that salary, that are going to be looking for a guy like that that can come in and help them, especially from a scoring perspective. I mean, he's a walking 20 points per game. So I think that they can get something of substance for Miles. He's been missing a lot at the rim lately, at least with some of those um, layups that he's been missing here. So we'll we'll see what Miles can do. Uh, I I did want to bring up this Brian Windhorst statement. I'm trying to find it. I, I, I think he talked about how the expectation is that Miles is going to be traded, that there are enough teams interested in Miles and so that he expects him to move. And the way he was talking, at least I saw this on Reddit, I think it was aggregated, but it was, you know, it seemed true that the Hornets are going to be taking um, all of these deals in and then it looks like Miles might have somewhat of a say in where he wants to go between all of these deals because that's what happens with the qualifying offer. You get the right to pick where you want to go if you want to be traded at all. So Dallas has been interested. Phoenix has been a team that has been the most mentioned. And then we can allow Dallas to just talk about PJ for a moment. It feels like this thing is going to come down to Josh Green. If you can get Josh Green from Dallas and the Mavericks value him. If you can get him, then maybe PJ Washington goes to the Mavericks. If not, I don't think PJ gets traded, but PJ is from Dallas That would make sense as far as him wanting to go there, even if the Hornets didn't want to do right by him. The Grant Williams experiment isn't working well for Dallas right now, and they need a stretch four that can defend, and Grant Williams hadn't been doing that for him. And so I wonder if they're willing to give up Josh Green because 
time's taken for them too. Like yeah. you got Luca on the squad, you need to get back to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I can't wait for the fireworks to go off. I know we're going to see plenty. I mean, there's rumors Golden State could make a huge move. I mean, I'm always excited for the trade deadline. Tomorrow we'll have a trade deadline show. I don't know if we're going to play it one time. I don't know if we're going to play it a million times. How many times do you think we played it last year, Fiddy? Because uh, we did for every trade. It was north of 20. Remember, we were doing trades for like second round picks. Oh, and I expect to do that again. If if the Clippers trade a top uh. 55 selection for cash considerations, I want the breaking news sounder. You yeah, enjoyed it last year. Flounder's in here. He's kind of shaking his head. Uh, do you feel like Fiddy's been complaining a lot more lately? Yeah. Like, it feels like you've been complaining more. I do. And I don't know why. That was my New Year's resolution. Uh, you're good job so far. Here we are at February seventh, and you can. Why are you complaining? I don't think my team is gonna buy the way I want them to buy. So I might be sitting here a depressed Nick fan at three thirty one. So this is. Were you gonna get LeBron next year? So what are you complaining about, dude? I don't know if you heard Flounder in the background <laughs> gagging. <laughs> a lot of Nick fans don't want LeBron. Um, as a as a diehard <laughs> Nick fan that lives and dies with that team. When did we become too good for the second best basketball player of all time? Like if LeBron wants to come to comes to New York and he wants to hold the franchise hostage, we got to draft Bronny James in the second round. I'm not going to complain. I ain't going to do it. But I don't think they're going to be as aggressive they need to be tomorrow cuz they need another they need another player. They put that towel on his back. Yeah, he did. He did. He wants to go there maybe. At the Lakers trading him. What what a weird situation. Um, I'm sorry, Flounder. That did sound like he was choking. I thought I was going to have to administer the Heimlich maneuver after what kind of sound you just allowed from your body. That was weird, but it was hilarious all the same. And I guess that was the reaction to LeBron going to New York. All right, we'll give you one more segment on the other side of the break. Last one. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Join Walker and producer Fiddy. Yes, I'm going to read this in third person and have Fiddy laugh at me the whole time. Join Walker and producer Fiddy at Michelob Ultra Charlotte Hornets watch party at Graham Street Pub and Patio in Uptown Charlotte this Friday, February 9th, taking place at 7 p.m. You can hang out with Michelob Ultra and these guys, Walker and Fiddy, I'm talking about. Watch the Hornets face the Milwaukee Bucks. Walker and Fiddy will have giveaways plus your chance to win tickets to a future Hornets home game. Thank you to our friends at Michelob Ultra. Also, thank you to our friend Boney. 
Travis T-Bone Hancock going to be joining us as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Fitty? I think Bone's going to be hosting a pregame show, and he'll also be out there hanging out afterwards with us. That is the rumor. (laughs) What was that? Play that again. I've never heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) Who said that? That's uh, Flounder and I. I was about to say, that sounds like you. Before before we go downstairs and make the magic happen on the Four Corners podcast, <laughs> kind of like how you know you know Walker, you do your little <clears throat> check one two. Like we all have our pre-recording I, ritual. Things. I remember doing that one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like for us, we just go downstairs and make noises, and a lot of times they're Willie P impressions, and Flounder hit a bong, and oh. it's a saved sound effect. We probably have ten to fifteen sound effects. That we've made just like on the fly downstairs, just goofing around, getting ready to record a podcast. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that's one of them. I hit it on, on Mac and Bone in the morning back when I had to fill in like last last October, like 6.02. And uh, was nearly out of his chair <laughs> laughing at the, that's, at the drop. No, that's one of my favorites. I didn't expect it. You'll have some sneaky sound bites attack us every once in a while. And that one is the best one. I didn't expect it. So you can join me, Fitty, and at Graham Street Pub and Patio this Friday, February 9th at 7 p.m. as the Hornets face the Milwaukee Bucks. I did want to read a couple of text messages that we got in and a couple of tweets, I believe, as well. 704 wrote in. Please keep all the trade notes again this year. Last year's show with the trade deadline was straight fire. I'm really glad that you weren't really going to try to convince us not to do it no, because it's one of the best shows we do all year. I thought so as well, but you've been complaining a little bit more lately and I didn't re- I didn't know if you're going to be like, "Oh, I want to change it. I don't want to do it this time." And I didn't know you were just going to make a Nick's frustration joke. All right, look, you, you called me difficult on the air Monday. You're just going to out me again. What have I been complaining about? <laughs> <laughs> There's Fitty. Oh, yeah. Fitty catching strays from Flounder again in the background because Flounder. I I like the idea. I don't know if Jeff would sign off on this, but I would like the idea of paying Flounder to hang out and never get on the mic. But for Flounder to hang out every show for the entirety of our three-hour show and just give voices and sound effects in the background. I wonder if Jeff would fork over the money for that. I would love that if that could happen, because Ricky. I think that would bring a lot to the show. It would be. I agree. Wes, do you concur with Walker that I've been complaining more? Uh, most of the time when you two get into it, man, you know, because we remember at the beginning, Walker was trying to drive a stake through you and I's relationship. So when y'all argue with each other, I don't get it. I didn't my do name it. It was Bennett. just you guys. It was, it was weird. Yeah, my and name is re- Bennett. And you guys recovered okay, although he does do this Wake Forest weird slander. <laughs> but at least he's not saying anything about San Francisco. Oh, you kind of are. That's tough, man. (laughs) Look, I just was going after Brock Purdy. You say something about San Francisco every day. Well, I'm giving the team a lot of credit. Because I want to be happy for Wes. He's the one 49er fan that I want to experience happiness. Don't believe that to be true. And he's getting his hopes up for Sunday. And there's this guy that wears number 15 that's standing on the other side. And, you know, we're talking about lions and how majestic they are. Yeah. He's a majestic line on the football field, and he's going to... He's a tiger. He's going to rip your heart out on Sunday night. Well, he lost some stripes when he played Tampa Bay, so... Well, that know, was good. He's not invincible in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but he's got right? him back, though, right? He's I mean, 2-1-1 he, in the Super Bowl, right? 
He is. Yeah. So that means he's lost one, right? It it does. Oh, okay. That's all I'm saying. I'm done. I'm not saying nothing else besides that. I was all say, I know is I love Rocky Four. I've been listening to songs off the soundtrack this week. I do remember the scene. Everybody thought Drago was invincible. And I remember when Rocky hit him with that first slug. And you heard, he's cut. He's cut. And what he tell him in the corner? See, he bleeds just like you do. He's a man. Are you saying you are quarterbacked by one Brocky Balboa? Yep. After Nikki B comes off that edge and gets that first sack fumble. That's that. He's cut. Mm-hmm. He's a man. All right. I, I was really upset that we got to Wednesday and then not pay our tribute to Carl Weathers Jr. Mm-hmm. But Wes just made up for it. That that was that was good stuff. Yeah, like Rocky, man. Rocky IV oh. hits a little different. You can't go with any of the Apollo Creed. Yeah, comments. you can't you can't go with the <laughs> Not right now. Yeah, it's too soon. Those no. songs have been having me like in a zone. I feel like I'm about to walk out of the tunnel. Like Rocky got me ready because I've been watching Sylvester Stallone's reality show on Paramount. So that took me back into that mode because Sly was my guy. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I'm ready to rock and roll, man. Sunday can't get here fast enough. Jim and Nick's wings probably get me a Harris Teeter pizza. You know what I'm saying? Out of the pizza area that they got. Not the not the ones you got to take and bake. But yeah. the, you going to taste like no, all New York you. slices? or? Nah, it's not New York. It's a little thicker. Those are uh, hand-tossed pizzas they no, serve at uh, Harris Teeter. All right. We can go into what we're watching tonight. I'll be watching the Hornets and the Raptors, as I always do. Man, I'm going to give the Hornets a win, at least a moral victory. Maybe 0-1 in the real box score, but I'm going to give them a 1-0 record in the moral victory box score. What you got, Wes? What are you watching tonight? Uh, Man, uh, some ACC basketball tonight. Duke's playing Notre Dame. Yep. Uh, I've got a game. I can't remember which one it was, but I know that uh, Duke and Notre Dame tonight will be uh, interesting to watch to see how Duke bounces back from that, uh, you know, Carolina loss. What you got, Fiddy? Guys Night, Episode 4, Season 1 of The Sopranos, and maybe Episode 3, Season 1 of Better Call Saul, or as I like to call it, Better Call Jimmy McGee. (laughs) Okay. Not yeah. quite the same ring well, to it. Well, I, I just, you know, like you should have warned me going in like, oh, yeah, by the way, show starts off and it's not Saul Goodman. No, it is not. Not at least. It's a spoiler for any of those that have not started Better Call Saul yet. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Thanks for joining us as you do every single weekday during the middays. Stay right here, Stay right here with the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. Well, howdy there, y'all. Kyle Bailey here. Radio 92.7 WFNZ.